Oh shit. Here we go again. But that's the that's the thing about people who are who are having those type of episodes. Yeah. Is they are totally convinced that what they saw or heard is real and reality. When in fact it was just their mind playing tricks on yeah. them. Well, well, well. What we got here? Conspiracies are a lot more popular among people than they were years ago. A lot more people look and do and play these out and like it's actually. Easier, it's easier to buy into them. Yeah, it's easier to entertain the idea of it now because there's a lot of. There's a lot of conspiracies that turn out to be true. Yes, there's a lot of connecting points. So it makes everything else feel a little bit more possible if you get what I'm saying. And at least plausible. You know? Yeah, yeah, at least at least plausible. I mean, there's a, there's an ideology behind all of it, and I think the the biggest thing to take away from the thinking that I'm trying to press on to people is when something like this is pushed onto you, it's pushed into the forefront of your media, it's pushed into the forefront of, of everything that you see. Don't look at it at face value. Look at everything from another angle, and then another angle, and then kind of think for yourself and play this not as it's supposed to be perceived but play it from your mindset and perceive it as you feel is right use your intuition figure out how to use your intuition trust yourself and if you see something learn more about it do your own study do your own research and come to a conclusion for yourself don't let other people make up your mind for you i saw the end it looks just like the middle got a paper and pen in a page with no space I filled the hole in my head with prescription medication then forgot how to cry who am I to welcome back ladies and gentlemen to yet another episode of real conversations with cozy and Murph I am JD Kozad one half of this wonderful podcast i am here with my co-host cody murphy what's up all right we are back at it again on shorter notice because this week we did record late got it out the same day quick turnaround time we'll do a round of applause for that clap 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 we're gonna jump right into it because we actually have quite a few things to talk about we'll give you a peek ahead we're gonna talk the greatness of devin hester the Arguably top three, just how would you describe it, Murph? Specialist of all time. Like in, in, in a sport, there's certain positions that are unique to the game. And one of them being kick returners or kickers or that three-point corner specialist, the, the shot blocker, your base running guy, your middle reliever in baseball, so, something of that nature. We're going to try and go in on that give you some perspective on that. We're going to talk what the hell is going on in airports. Cause I feel like everybody has seen the lady freaking out. Murph just told me about another lady getting kicked out. And we're also going to talk about some other stuff that I've already forgotten about. And I'm sure Murph <laughs> reminded me on. <laughs> uh, yeah. The UFC and probably yeah. do some I don't know, baseball. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. All right, so the question, what in the world is going on with airports? First of all, it's just weird being at the airport in the first place. I feel like it puts you in a weird headspace to begin with because, you know, uh, I know we've talked. We, there was an episode we talked about. Uh, it was the submarine thing. Yeah. And it was Airplanes. going on an airplane. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it puts you in a weird headspace. Because you're already you're risking your life getting on this flying metal tube that's going thousands of feet in the air, and yeah. if any, something goes wrong, you know there there's dire consequences. You know it's, it's as rare as the plane crashes are. You know the the mortality rate on those are way up there. So so you've already you're going into it with a heightened level of anxiety, and if you're somebody who's prone to have uh, anxiety attacks or panic attacks or something like that. I feel like you you could have a breakdown like that. I honestly think she was having like a mental breakdown, a nervous breakdown yeah, or something. Like a manic episode or something. Yes. I know I've seen a lot of people online talking about 
Oh, I would have followed her off the plane. I've seen Final Destination enough to know that this plane was doomed and yada, yada, yada. And I feel that, you know, it was, I'm sure it freaked everybody out the way that she, you know, the conviction in her voice, the way that she was totally convinced that she saw something in the back of the plane. Yeah. Well, let me let me fill everybody in on what happened. Right. If, if, yeah, if you don't, I, yeah, but I feel like we I've get got no, a little bit ahead of ourselves um, there. To your point, there is an anxiety that is at an airport, even getting on a boat. It's it's the the fact that you have no say or control over anything, and you're already, you know, you're at everybody else's beck and call like you got to move at their pace there you know you, you have no control over everything and i feel like that really gets to people when they are taken out of their world and into another realm which is that but for the people who don't know there's been a video going around of this woman on an airplane who is getting i mean essentially leaving herself off the plane but gets to the point where she's, you know, she's escorted off and she's turning around back in the aisles and she's pointing at this man in the seat and she's, you know, she's cussing him. She's telling everybody like, you know, screw you guys. If you're not going to believe me and get off, I know what I saw. Well, she claims that the man she was sitting next to was, I don't know, a skinwalker. I, I believe she called him like a, a, a lizard person. Yeah, that's what's been going around is the shoe it was a lizard shapeshifter. Yeah. And apparently that he blinked not horizontally like we do, but vertically like a like a lizard. And one it does sound ridiculous, you know, when you say it out loud. And across a lot of social media lately Conspiracy things have become more popular. One of the conspiracies in this world is like there are amphibioid lizard type people that walk the earth with us. And a lot of it's like, you know, our high end celebrities and presidential people are the elite. The elite are these lizard people. And she claims in this moment that this man was like, talking to her for you know 15 20 minutes while they were sitting down on the plane the plane was getting ready to take off and that he you know she freaked out and came and you know kind of felt this moment of realization like she wasn't talking to a person and there was a couple other videos that i seen there was one guy who claims that he was also on the plane seeing her freak out and he said that he was sitting um, adjacent to this woman and that she noticed this woman or he noticed this woman earlier on because she looked crazy because she was having a full-blown conversation with this man for 10 or 15 minutes but he never said a word and to this woman's account she claimed that she was having a full-blown conversation with this man and this man was actually speaking to her and I, you guys, you guys all already know that I am a conspiracy guy. I feed into these. Yeah, this is this is definitely right up your alley. I I, I was thinking about you whenever I the, my initial reaction was. I bet JD's eating this up right now. It's just kind of. I mean, look. I mean, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun to entertain those ideas for sure. I mean, it makes you think. It makes you kind of question everything. But it's that woman had conviction in her eyes you could tell she was yeah. thoroughly with distraught she Granted. was convinced but that's the that's the thing about people who are who are having those type of episodes yeah is they are totally convinced that what they saw or heard is real and reality when in fact they may have just it just it was just their mind playing tricks on yeah. them. but i want to go back to what you were Talking about the guy who was said he was also on the plane. Yeah. And this is like the tricky thing about social media. It was a guy on TikTok. He came out and had that explanation video of he was also on that plane. But if you look in the caption, 
or if you look in the comments, it actually said he was trolling. Like he, it was all just an act. He was just making it up to see if he could, you know, stir the pot a little bit and get people talking about um, this conspiracy or whatever. So it's it's tricky because whenever I first watched it, I had to watch it a couple times before I realized. Before I realized, oh, this is like a troll. This is like satire. Like he's he's trying to convince people or put on an act yeah. that he was he was actually there when in fact he's he he was never even on the plane. So this is where my mind went in the instance that I first seen the video is that I'm a big believer in that if there is something at play in the world that we don't see, there is an elite group that we don't see that they put things into the media to kind of foreshadow what's to come. And if that's the case, then I feel like this could all be a, and I know I say the word psyop a lot, but I'm going to say it again. I'm not saying like it's a psyop as in like, look here, see something else, but more so in the case of like, you guys see this now, this is the, the deep fake technology that we have that we can imitate a woman freaking out on a plane cause a commotion in the media, cause a distraction, kind of like a a test baiter. Like how much can we stir up with an instance like this? Cause I haven't seen uh, anything of this woman outside of that. And the only video that I've seen is of that one guy trolling and nobody else has made a video that would, could possibly be on that plane or it would have stirred up across social media anywhere else. So how do we even know that this is like essentially a real thing and it's not, some made up bullshit that was made by a couple guys on a computer. Right. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a, like made in a studio or something. Exactly. Well, it could be that these, this elite, you know, class of people are kind of flaunting their technology and saying, Oh, we can look at how easily we can just hide in plain sight or we can just, you know, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. Which, you know, that comes out a lot throughout history. The elites just taking advantage of their power and exercising their power to the fullest extent. And, you know, the people, the ordinary people kind of have to just roll with the punches and because there's not much we can do about it because we have to pay bills. You know, we have yeah. we have real life shit to worry about. We can't worry about some reptile on a fucking plane. Yeah. I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes. On this motherfucking plane. <laughs> That's what it made me think of. Oh, my God. It really could, though. I mean, like, it's something for you to ponder on. And granted, a lot of these. Okay. And to my note earlier saying conspiracies are a lot more popular among people than they were years ago. A lot more people look and do and you know, play these out and like actually it's easier to buy into them. Yeah. It's easier to entertain the idea of it now because there's a lot of, there's a lot of conspiracies that turn out to be true. Yes. There's a lot of connecting points. So it makes everything else feel a little bit more possible. If, if you get what I'm saying and at least plausible, yeah, yeah. At least, at least plausible. I mean, there's a, there's an ideology behind all of it. And I think the the biggest thing to take away from the the thinking that I'm trying to press on to people is when something like this is pushed onto you, it's pushed into the forefront of your media, it's pushed into the forefront of, of everything that you see. Don't look at it at face value. Look at everything from another angle and then another angle and then kind of think for yourself and play this not as it's supposed to be perceived, but play it from your mindset and perceive it as you feel is right. Use your intuition, figure out how to use your intuition, trust yourself. And if you see something, learn more about it, do your own study, do your own research and come to a conclusion for yourself. Don't let other people make up your mind for you. That's what I feel like the brainwashing point is. If there is an elite group, that's the brainwashing is like, they are actually constructing your thoughts and ideas and how you move rather than you constructing thoughts and forming your own 
ideas right. and ideologies behind everything. So that's kind of what I want people to take away from it. So I say conspiracy a lot, psyop a lot, but it's more or less because I want to make sure that there is no chance that I close my brain off to the outside chance that there's something else that's plausible. Yes. I mean, there's more than most of the time there's always more than meets the eye. You know, you have to take, like you were saying, you can't just take it at face value. You have to take it with a grain of salt. You have to search for more explanations because be, because of te- the technology that's available to us now with the deep fake, with the facial recognition, with the, uh, you know, be, all these special effects that, that are able, easily manipulated. Yep. So, you know, if you get one thing out of this segment is use your critical thinking skills, have a brain, don't be a sheep, and don't be a crazy lady at an airport. Right. <laughs> don't be a crazy lady at an airport. Honestly, somebody- I, I, w- I want to know what the original poster has to say. I would love to see them come out with more commentary or like see some people who were actually on that plane come out and speak, which I don't know if we ever will. I, don't, I haven't even seen what the airline, I don't yeah. know what airline it was. It could have been Southwest or Spirit yeah. or whatever. I haven't seen what they had to say about it. Um, so yeah, I would like to see a little bit more context. I would like to, you know, as far as I know, the plane took off and landed safely yeah. where it was supposed to go. So as far as we know, everything was fine and it was fake. Like it was just a girl freaking out, but, but what I've it, uh, yeah, seen on ahead. Twitter is apparently, uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but she has gone missing. No, nobody knows where she's at. So, so here's, here's, here's where I'm like stuck right now. If it was real and this lady did see something that she was not supposed to see, say this is a random lizard person. Just say for the idea, just you for know, a, yeah, they're not the going to let anybody that would happen to be on that plane speak about it. Talk about none, none of that. There's not going to be no. Any, they're they're going to pull. Everything's coming down. And that girl gonna, who saw it, she she gone. They're going to pull the Men in Black. Yeah. Where they take a take with that little <laughs> silver doohickey and snap <laughs> it, and everybody forgets what happened. Some some guy in a suit steps onto the plane and says, "All right, everybody, I'm your captain. Now please look into this real quick." Flash, and we will be taking off shortly. Please <laughs> feel right. free to remain seated. Yeah. That's funny. Some good tie-ins to that segment right there. So. That is some good tie-ins, yeah. Damn, I wish I was good at animation because I would animate that right there. That would be a fire skit right there. Some men in sure. black dude, some alien guy just sitting there. They just take him out, and they're like, all right, everybody look into the camera right here. Yeah. And everything's all good. The girl just disappears. I think something that adds to this um, heightened sense of anxiety and and – you know, people's imaginations being able to just like take hold and, and all these conspiracy theories is we've seen, especially people our age, we've seen a lot of movies, you know, so anything seems feasible or possible in our mind because of just the sheer amount of sci sci fi content that we've, you know, consumed in our lifetime. It's got it's got some kind of um, effect on our brain that we right. aren't disassociating what happens in fiction versus real life, and it, it's and it always happens on fucking airplanes, like or at airports. There's always somebody freaking out. Right. That's I mean, I'm only make a video. I don't know how much experience you have with flying, but. I've flown, let's see, I've flown to Florida twice. I've flown to Vegas. And I think that's about it. The longest trip was to Vegas. It was like a four and a half hour flight or something like that. And um, to be honest with you, me and my uncle, we just got drunk as fuck. <laughs> and so I really didn't remember yeah. any of the of I've the flight. I've flown a couple flight. times. Did you fly out to out west whenever you yeah. went out there to I, play ball? I, yeah, I've flown into Texas. Um Flew into New Mexico, flew out of Denver. I flew into Mexico, 
flew out of Mexico. I've, so flown, you, I've flown a bunch of times, yeah. Yeah, you've had a little bit more experience with yeah. it than I have. But, I mean, it's the same principle. You know, you show up and you have to go through all the checks. You know, you have to check your bags. You have to go through security check. You have to, you know, strip down all the metal off of you. You have to take your shoes off. You got to, you know, all this, that, and the other. And then once you get in there, you could be waiting an hour and a half, two hours. Yep. Or it could be 20 minutes to your flight. You know, you never know the way that the the, the, the flights are. So, it, like I said, it's already, you're already in that headspace of, you know, you like you said, there's no control. It's not like getting yeah. hopping in a car and I'm driving my vehicle. It's, yeah. you know, I'm relying on this pilot to get me there safely, to land the plane. Not only to land the plane, but to take off, and, you know, smoothly. To handle any problems, any turbulence that you might, them you might encounter on the, while you're up there, and then also, you know, like I said, land. So yeah, it's a lot to take on. It's a surreal experience, you know, if you've never flown before. The first time is always nerve wracking as shit. And I still, I mean, I was nervous as shit whenever, you know, the takeoff. Because you see the ground just disappear underneath you. It's, Literally. And it's you're going wild. so fast, you don't even realize. You, like, you can't really fathom that you're going as fast as you're going. Like, right. You, these things are floating through the sky. You come down to your touchdown, and it's like, whoo, I can't believe you stopped this thing, buddy. You are right. a G behind And you think about it, all it takes is somebody not realizing, you know, in the air traffic control, not realizing that these planes are going to – you know, their, their paths are going to crisscross. Yeah. And then boom, you might hit another plane. So there's so many things that could happen, but you know, for the most part, planes are relatively safe. Yeah. So I'm on, uh, I'm on Twitter right now. And I looked up this, I literally just typed in the word reptilian just to see what would pop up. And so there's another video up here now of a different airline and it's a British man. Oh yeah, he's seen that one. Freaking out too. Yeah, tried to open the door mid-flight because his his passenger did something. Yeah, what are the odds that this could be crisis actors? And these are literally just like I said earlier. This could be just scenes from bullshit. I mean, they could make this be fake as fuck and look so real. I don't know. Will we ever know the truth of each scenario? Probably Probably not. not. Yeah. Are we gonna? be skeptical about it and think about it and be called conspiracy theorists. Probably. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like hundred percent. It's fun to talk about. I know that. I mean, at the end right. of the day, I, I mean, Hey, what, what good is a podcast? If you can't discuss conspiracy <laughs> theories on it, I mean, shit. Ain't nothing better. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't be crazy. Matter of fact, just stay out of airports, drive your car. You got cars for a reason. Don't be a bum. <laughs> all right last episode before we closed out we talked about the greatest yes we will say the greatest returner of all time the man's name is devin hester if you haven't seen or heard of devin hester which i assume most of our listeners have go, just type in devin hester highlights I'm going to assume that they have, but if you haven't revisited it, revisited the highlights in recent years, go back and watch them because Worth it. I had, um, I had a highlight reel pop up on my Facebook feed the other day. It was like eight and a half minutes of Devin Hester just blazing, uh, kickoff teams. And it was really, truly something that you've, we've never seen before or since. Because this man literally won two cuts and he's gone. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was something about, I mean, obviously the man has speed, but a lot of guys have speed. There's a lot faster dudes now in the league than Devin Hester ever thought about being. Yeah. But it was something about his field vision, I think. And also, I mean, let's not take away from the Bears – kickoff return team. I'm sure they, they had a lot to do with it as well, but it was just insane to see him just juke somebody out of the shoes and then boom, he's gone. He's gone. Got a beat. I, I recollect 
back to myself playing football and I returned punts and thinking on how difficult it was to even get past the fucking first guys. Let alone. Let's just talk about. Let's just talk about fielding the ball, catching it, catching the ball, catching yes. a punt is hard in and of itself. Yeah, that's not even. That's not even like talking about returning it, or like if you have to fair catch it, determining if you need to fair catch it or not. That's that's hard. That's a whole other scenario. It's like did the guy. Do I have enough room to catch yeah, this and take like, off, or am I going to get obliterated? Get destroyed in this moment, like so many scenarios at large that it's not getting as much recognition that is deserved because what you get one chance, possibly, to take this to the house. You there are sometimes that there are games where there isn't a punt return or, or there isn't a punt, so there's nothing to be returned and. A lot of times now, they just kick it off out the back of the end zone. Yeah, or they kick it out of bounds. Yeah. So, to and I will say that um, in the last like five ten years, they have changed the rules a lot on kickoff and kickoff return. So yeah. they've kind of discouraged contact because they that's how they they figured a lot of guys were getting head injuries and injured on those special team plays. So they've kind of mitigated that and trying to take out a lot of the contact. So Devin Hester played in the era where, um, you know, kickoff was, was still, you know, uh, like it was before the rule changes and, and you did have a chance because now if you take a touchback, you get it at the 25 instead of the 20. Yeah. So it's just a lot different era. Yeah. To show love to Devin Hester, you have to comprehend what, how many touchdowns there are on kick returns and punt returns. And when it, one happens, it's making ESPN top 10 because it's that special and that rare. Devin Hester had 20 returns for touchdowns. 20 times he broke everybody, which I believe is more than – Probably anybody combined, I was looking it up, anybody combined since Devin Hester retired. Like, fathom that. It's, I don't think there's any, you know, we were talking about specialists in sports. I don't think there's a better, a greater example of, of the best of the best. Yeah. Specialist. Like, the one guy that was, the greatest of all time at doing this one specific thing in one sport. I don't think you can think of a better example in the mainstream yeah. than Devin Hester. The only competition, I wouldn't even say it's competition because it's also different. Like Hester gets one chance to make this play on one, one play, one play you have to make this happen I was going to say Mariano Rivera but then I was like you know he could fuck up two or three times in an inning and still get his save he can get he can be bailed out yeah if you make your mistake as a returner more than likely you're either you're going to fumble the ball you're going to get decleated you're going to get somebody else on your team decleated you're going to put your team in a horrible position you know so there's so many different factors when it comes to being a kick returner or punt yeah. returner. I think this would be a huge thing for us, and I'm not trying to say this selfishly. I think it's because it's deserved, but I'd like to be somebody that is a part of helping Devin Hester's case to get into the Hall of Fame and why he's deserved of being a Hall of Famer. I know he was a finalist this this year and didn't get in. He's got to get in, though. He's got to get in because he is the guy. Like, when you're the guy of the guy for that position, like, there's nobody else that you can say deserves it over him. When, when you go to – like, I was in Canton this weekend, and I wanted to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. If I went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and there was a section about – the history of the game and you talk about 
the kickoff and kickoff returns, you have to mention Devin Hester's name. It's like it is history. Who was the best ever at bringing kicks back, punt returns, and kicks? Devin Hester. Like that I think is he's why. the only guy. He's the only player to ever return the opening kickoff of Super Bowl for a touchdown. Yeah, and wow, talk about electric. Imagine. Yeah, I still remember. I still remember that Super Bowl. That was the um, Bears versus Colts. Like I want to say it was, was it oh eight oh seven, something like that. Yeah. But anyway, the Colts end up winning that game. But uh, Devin Hester led the game all out of the gate. Man, just house call. And I remember because I remember everybody's going wild. Talking about, oh, the Bears have got this. The Bears have got this. But the Colts end up coming back. But I just remember that moment because it was so electric. I mean, that ranks up there with, like, whenever Auburn beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl on that last-second field goal yeah, that was short, and they returned it 110 yards, nine yards or whatever. The Iron Bowl, yeah. I remember that like it was yesterday. I mean, One of the there's just certain players. moments in sports that you remember. And Devin Hester's opening kickoff in the Super Bowl was one I'll always remember. We need to do a segment coming up about the most iconic plays you can think of in sports that come to your head, like the top ones. Yeah, we could do a whole episode on just top 10 iconic sports moments. That would be honestly a great episode and give everybody the chance to, you know, kind of hit that nostalgia feel. Right. Definitely. For, for that. Well, let me let me think here. So let's talk. We're going to do a ranking, not even a ranking, but more so give shine to the best specialists that we can come off of top of our head. You know, Cozy and Murph, we don't do all that much prep. When we do, it's kind of rigid and it's it doesn't flow. So this is the best thing for us. Off the top of our head, I think we should – Go top three specialist in football. So kick returner, kickers, punt returner. We can classify them if you want to, or we can even separate it. I don't know everybody's we'll name, just, but I've we'll got just, some. We'll just go and see where it yeah. happens. Okay. All right, oh, you go first. I went first last week. You go first. Okay. So Devin Hester, you can't use Devin Hester. I won't use Devin Hester because he is number one. He is the GOAT. I'm going to go with a homebody. Okay. Philly man. One of the greatest moments I've ever seen in sports was the miracle at the garden. When the Eagles were playing the Giants. Giants go to kick the ball, punt the ball, and Deshaun Jackson is back. All they needed to do was kick that ball out of bounds. Our offense was stale. If they kicked that ball out of bounds, there was not enough time on the clock for us to make enough plays to get down the field. Deshaun Jackson to the crib, seal the game, no time left on the clock. I'm going to give Deshaun Jackson a lot of love because that man was one of the most electric punt returners I have ever seen. That dude could slip a guy, slip down and fall, get back up on his feet, juke a guy, crib. Didn't matter. Yeah, you're talking about one of the most prolific, not just not just returners, but he was also a prolific wide receiver. So that's a great Man, pick. Great one pick. of the best go go get them guys. Like you just throw the ball down the field. Like fuck it, Deshaun down there somewhere. Uh, one well, of them guys. Yeah. Him and Vic. I know we've talked about it before, but him and Michael Vic were, were two were an awesome duo to watch. One of my favorites. All if right. Not. While we're speaking about electrifying players, um, you know, I would be remiss if we didn't at least mention this name. Um, talking about kick returners, the one, the only, Mister Prime Time himself, mm. Deion Sanders. I mean, yes, we sir. have to at least talk about him for a minute. Deion, oh. he is the one. He was like the predecessor to Hester. He was the he was the number one guy returner before Hester came along. He's the one that made it cool to be, you know, a kick returner. He's the one that made all the kids want to go out and say, "Oh yeah, let me field a punt. Let me catch the kick. Let me try to run it back." And he was 
not only probably top five corner of all time, top five lockdown, put him on an island, you know, this guy's not going to catch the ball. His man's not catching the ball. But also just anytime he had the ball in his hands, you knew something was going to happen. He he was had the most potential to have an explosive play as a kick returner, I feel like. And, you know, I'm not really old enough to – he was still in the league whenever I first started watching. But I think he was on his way out. I think he was yeah. playing with the Ravens in like his 12th year or something. Yeah. So he was past his prime. But obviously, we got. I got to throw him out you have there. To, you have to put his name in there because he is. Yeah, you know that, that's prime time. And I, I've got so much love for Dion because when I was a kid, you hear the stories about him going to play a football game in Atlanta, then catching a flight and going to go play a World Series game with the Braves. It's like he's yeah, he's still to this day the only professional athlete to win a Super Bowl and a World Series. What an unbelievable thing! That's and he's, now he's a now he's a D a major D one college head football coach. That's I got love for Dion, bro. Man made it happen. I, I love Dion. He's himself. And my my favorite thing, and this is kind of a sidetrack, but my favorite thing about Dion is he's all about the players. Yep, he doesn't care about you know anything else. He's trying to get these kids. He's trying to he's trying to mold men. You yep. know. He's trying to help these kids advance their career, not only as a football player, but as a man. Yep. And so, I mean, much love, much respect to Dion. Got to love him. Dion Sanders. All the love for Dion. Shout out Prime. A name that I grew up on and played a lot of Madden with as a kid. I'll give this guy a shout out because for the Cleveland Browns, there was not a lot of hope in my youth. But one of the one of the things that gave Cleveland Browns hope was the fact that Josh Cribs could take it to the crib on a kick return. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he was a, a a damn good receiver. Dude was a baller. But I just remember playing with the Browns as a kid, and Josh Cribs was almost like a little cheat code in the game for the Browns. It was like your only chance to score a touchdown with the Browns. But Josh Cribb, he he put up – I can't remember what the – I think he had seven returns for touchdowns. He did it like once a year for like seven years in a row. Yeah, he was uh, definitely explosive. I mean, all these guys have speed. Yeah. You know, that's the number one common denominator, I feel like, is outstanding speed. And when you're talking Josh Cribbs, you can't help but think about speed. Yeah. I like but we're that talking pick. specialists. Yeah, Josh Cruz is nice. So you can kind of say whoever we want. I know we've been doing kick returners. Dion was a corner, but he did a return punts. Um, my next pick, though, I've got I've got a specialist idea that we can rainbow. All right, but go ahead. My next pick, I'm going to go since we're talking specialists in general. Yep, I'm going to go with your boy uh, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee. Pat Everybody McAfee knows I love Pat. One of the Best punters of his while he was in the league. I don't. Yes. I can't remember how long he played. He didn't have a super long career. Most punters, no. most most of the good punters have like a super long career because yeah. all they do is kick the ball. Yeah. But Pat McAfee, while he was in the league, he was one of the best punters. Uh, you know, uh, like I was said before we started um, recording, if you have a punter that can pin the ball inside the 20, 20, 10, 20 yard line every time. That's such a huge advantage for your team. If you have a, a punter that can net 50, 60, 70 yards a punt, hang time, you know, five, six seconds, that is huge. And Same there's thing. nobody nobody did it better than, than Pat. And he yeah. had such a – not only was he a great punter, but he was just a fun player. He was just a fun guy to, to, to watch out there. Like he wasn't afraid to go get a tackle. Yeah. He wasn't afraid to, to of contact. And that was so – he had personality. Yeah. You know? It's a huge part of it. I, I like that pick because Pat Pat's my guy, man. I listen to the Pat McAfee show religiously. I'm very much in tune with Pat. And, I mean, he was a part of that Super Bowl team with the Colts. Huge part in the win. I mean, Peyton Manning came on and talked about, you know, how important it was for Pat to pin them deep in, in so many games 
to give their defense a chance. Right. And in turn gave Peyton a better opportunity to score down the field. And that's a that's just a football guy stat though. Oh, yeah. Like the the hidden yardage. Yeah. Like you take your your like okay, you take your offense's starting position versus the opponent's offensive started like average starting position, and then you get your hidden yardage. I mean, that's not something that your casual fan is going to think about. No. But if that the punter plays a big part in that role, yeah, and the the punter punt returner. So that's not something you typically think about, but that's why they are the specialists. Yeah, you can tell a football guy in any room when you're watching a game, and a punter kicks like a perfect punt, and it goes right out of bounds, like at like the three yard line. Yeah, and, and then you see the guy in the room go, "Damn, fuck yeah!" Like bend him, you know what I'm yeah. saying? You're like that guy gets it. That guy gets football. Yeah, like that was important. Or you see, or you see it like just the perfect. Somebody kicks the like the punt, and it's just a perfect spiral. Yeah, it's like got, damn, it's that was a sexy ass kick. Yeah, damn, that thing's staying up there forever. Yeah, that, those are the football guys we're talking about. We vibe with you. That's a damn good pick. I like Pat McAfee. Okay, so going off. Pat McAfee, I'm going kind of in the same direction. You said a name earlier. I'll let that one slide. I must give you that one. But I'm going to go on the – instead of punting, I'm going to go kicking. I'm going to go with, for the Ravens, the most clutch, the all-time leading scorer for the Ravens, Justin Tucker. Because that dude don't miss. Hey, good pick right there. That dude don't miss. And, I mean, when it's all said and done, he really might be the GOAT of kicking. I mean, I think, whenever I you know it's cash argument. money from 50-plus yards, pretty much 55 yards and in, it's cash money. Yeah. Your offense is so much more – you have so many more options on offense yeah. as far as your play calling because you know you're at least getting three yeah. as long as you take care of the ball. Yeah. I got – I mean, as much as I don't care for the Ravens, I, Lamar's cool. You know, the rest of the squad, cool. I'm not going to show any love to the Ravens, but when Justin Tucker comes on the field, and if it happens to be against my team, Justin Tucker comes on the field, say it's a, a game winner. Oh, I you know, can just turn it off. Turn it it's off. Over. This game's game over. over. There ain't no shot in hell the man's missing. Close your eyes, count to whatever number you need to, but you might as well just turn the TV off. This game is over, dead and gone. Yeah, I would go with Justin Tucker. It's a great pick. I think, yeah. does he still have the record for the longest kick? Yeah, I think it I think he didn't he break it I wanna say last year, wasn't it sixty seven? I can't remember. It was a ridiculously long kick. I wanna say it's sixty seven is the record. Or sixty six. You gotta, you gotta fucking destroy that ball to get it get it sixty seven yards. But yeah, sixty seven yards. That's it's just an insane I I believe the previous one was sixty three. I know that was because I remember there was a couple guys that tried it and were short, but 67 is absurd. I mean, anything over 50, I feel like, is absurd. When people, like, casually talk about 55-yard field goals, it's like you guys are not really comprehending how far this ball has to be kicked. The longest field goal ever in NFL history. In 2021, we witnessed the longest field goal. The Baltimore Ravens' Justin Tucker was responsible for this feat, kicking the longest field goal in NFL history from 66 yards away. 66, yeah. So, so 67 breaks it. Recently. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. And I think he missed his first kick last year. And, like, I believe it was a record amount of attempts, too. Like, he had missed – or he he's made – so many kicks in a row, it broke the previous record, plus PATs. He just set he sets the bar. He is the standard. He will be a Hall of Famer when it's all oh, said and sure. done because yeah. of all of it. Yeah. Speaking of Hall of Famers, for my third pick, I'm going to go with Mr. Patriot himself, mm. Adam Vinatieri. Mm. The one, the guy behind Tom Brady, the guy behind Bill Belichick. If it wasn't for this man, the Patriots don't have a dynasty. Yep. I mean, think about all the clutch kicks he made and not just the first Super Bowl, but all the subsequent Super Bowl runs after that. Yeah. I mean, in the early years of that Patriots dynasty, he was a key cog in the machine because, I mean, think about the very first year, AFC Championship. They're playing the Raiders in New England, snow all over the ground. 
this was after the tuck rule or after the uh, tuck play where apparently Brady brought it back down. Yeah. You know, that was, that's, that's a huge controversy in and of itself, but this is the go ahead field goal. There's snow. There's like a foot of snow on the ground. You can't even see the field. They had the players had to like clear room for this guy to, to be able to kick. (laughs) And he goes out there. It was like, I can't remember how far it was, but it was in, extraordinary conditions and dude just sinks it go on a few games later or no, the next game in the Super Bowl against the Rams. Who is it other than Vinatieri that comes out there? Yeah. Kicks the game winning field goal to win the Patriots, their first Super Bowl, Tom Brady's first Super Bowl, Belichick's first Super Bowl. And the rest from there is history. So I can't remember where he ranks among all time leading scores for Patriots or in the league as a whole, but I know he's up there. Yeah, because he played for he played ten years with New England and fourteen for the Colts. So he played twenty four years. Yeah, he played. He literally played from twenty four to forty seven. That's incredible. Not only not only being a great kicker, but the longevity of it as yeah. well. So I just looked up his stats, and this is going to be <laughs> absurd. So he attempted. 211 regular season field goals. He missed 10. That's it? 10. That's insane. Insane. For from 2002 to 2005, zero. 2010, 2011, zero. From 2013 all the way down to 2019, zero. And then that last year that he played, uh, he struggled with a couple kicks. Right, but he was damn near 50, so exactly. he got some slack. <laughs> Bro. It's it's one of the – okay, so I'm looking at all of his percentages here, and I read this a little wrong. I was looking at from 0 to 19. From 20 yards, he was 200 of 207. From 30 – to 39 yards, he was 179 of 211. From 50 yards and less, 40 to 49 yards, he was 215 of 165. From 55 plus, he was 45 of 72. In total, he had an 85% make rate over 24 years. That's extraordinary. I mean, can't ask for anything better from that out of your kicker. Yeah, I was trying to find his total points because I wanted to know, but I can't. I mean, three, three, all pro, all pro first teams, three Pro Bowls. It doesn't say the total scoring, but still, I'm. It's very impressive to be honest. Extra points made, eight seventy four out of eight eight ninety eight ninety seven point three percent. 900 field goal attempt, or uh, extra point attempts, 97%. You got, I mean, Vinatieri is, I mean, he right now is the GOAT. That's Hell simple. Yeah. That's simple. All right, who do you got? Your last pick. Okay. And then we need to move on because we're running I, out of time. I picked first, so I did what go with my last pick. Okay, um, gotcha. I just want to list off a couple honorable mentions for, we just really did football there. Um, I'm just showing love in a couple other aspects. Kyle Corver, big name. He's a specialist. Three pointers. Three Ray point Allen. Specialist. Um, middle relievers. You've got shit. That's that's actually kind of harder to do than I thought it would be. I was just gonna ramble off some fucking names, but I can't really think of anything. We'll just do closers then. Rivera, closers, obviously. Yeah, obviously, Mariano Rivera. Trevor Hoffman. Trevor Hoffman. Um. Well, now I think about it, um, names that people don't remember because their middle relievers were like Kelvin Herrera, Jake McGee, Drew Storen, uh, Joe Smith. I was trying to remember the names that I had written down. I just went to my notes. Um, there's a there's guys that get forgotten in every sport, and when you start breaking down sports, this was kind of the whole aspect of this. There's not enough recognition for some of the small-time guys, but they play – like you said, a huge part. They are a huge cog in the machines that go in prof- professional sports. And it's it's nice to show love. 
you have any any guys that I'm I'm missing? I'm trying to like rack my brain on big kickoff returners, big dudes, big guys. Well, I think um, you know you have to give a shout out to the defensive specialists on yes. in, like say basketball. Yeah, like you have Ben Wallace, uh, Ron Artest, Dennis Dennis Rodman, these type of players who don't necessarily offer much in the way of offense, but can lock down pretty much anybody on the court. Yeah. So I think you have to kind of mention that. And other than that, I can't, I mean, you know, there's a lot of football guys, but can't really think of many, a lot of baseball dudes. Baseball is hard. Pinch, pinch hitting would be a great aspect too. Or, I mean, I can't even say like pinch hitting because most guys that are going to be a pinch hitter play everyday roles for the most part. You don't just right. keep a pinch hitter on the bench. I was thinking like clutch guy moments. And I was going to say David Ortiz, but he played DH every single day, you know. And that's it's, kind of a specialized position yeah. though because DH, all you DH do is hit. Yeah. yeah. So DH, I mean, the greatest DHs of all time. You've got like Rafael Palmero, um, David Ortiz. Mm. I mean, down the stretch, you know those older guys. Nelson Cruz, a great one. Prince um, Fielder, he wasn't. Prince he Fielder, wasn't, he, he wasn't quit really. playing first base when he right. fucked his yeah. neck up. Yeah, he started being a DH. Like most of the guys that get older into their careers, start playing DH. But now, DH is, you know, like Shohei Otani is a DH when he doesn't pitch. He solely focuses on hitting. He doesn't go play the outfield anymore. I mean, he'll go down as one of the greatest DHs of all time, let alone greatest player of all time. So, right. <laughs> all right. Some love. We're at setting at 50 minutes here. Um, I was going to talk a little bit of the UFC fights, considering yes, that t- UFC 290 was last night. Um, I got home kind of late, and I wasn't even planning on watching any UFC fights, but I just got like hella bored. I came home and there was nothing on TV. There's nothing really I wanted to watch. And uh, something popped up on my phone and said UFC 290. And so I was like, let's see who's fighting. And there was two championship bouts on the, on the card. So I was like, fuck it. 80 bucks. Let's do it. Yeah. So I ended up, I missed the first fight. I can't remember who it was, but all the rest of the fights were, were pretty damn good fights. Um, Drickus Duplessis. Drickus Duplessis. He ended up, he, he beat uh, Forrest Whitaker for a shot at the title. Uh, was it middleweight against Israel Adesanya? They've got a match about coming up here in the next few weeks. Um, yeah, Israel Adesanya, man, he kind of embarrassed himself last yeah, night. Yeah, that's the um, talk. Like, came out in the middle of the ring. So Drickus Duplessis, if you've never heard of him, I've heard that name before, but I didn't really know much about him. I'd never seen him fight. Uh, I mean, he was pretty impressive. You know, he came straight for Forrest Whitaker, ended up knocking him out, or TKO, in like, the, I want to say the second round. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he was a you know, good fighter. Uh, definitely deserves a shot at the title. But if you don't know who he is, he's from South Africa. And so um, – White dude, South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, Israel Adesanya. Yeah. He's – was he from Africa or did he grow up in Australia? Because he's got like a weird accent. I, I can't remember. I don't know a lot about his background. I just know he's a phenomenal fighter and, you know, you know we've given Adesanya his flowers. But last night um, after the match, he came out in the octagon and um, did a face-off with – do play C and it really just kind of, it just made my skin crawl the way that guy was acting. Uh, he said the N word multiple times and I'm not a big fan. I don't think anybody should say it. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of black people say it. I, I'm not, I don't ever say it. Like yeah. what have you ever, you've never heard me say that word. Not never and, once. And he comes out and he's like being, it's like he was trying to bait do play C into saying the yeah, N word pretty much. And it's like, that's just classless to me. And I know I know it's all for show and they're trying to sell the fight. Big championship fight coming up. But to me, Adesanya was a little bit too emotional, too hyped up. You know, that's not the way a champ's supposed to act. 
Um, but, you know, I mean, I think it's going to be a good fight regardless of the antics. Yeah. So. It would definitely be a good fight. I mean, we know Adesanya is going to come into the cage and he's going to do his thing. He'll I just, be, he'll be, I think he was a little bit inebriated. Yeah. He might have been him drinking a little bit last and, night. As much as I rewatched that video, I was like trying to make sense of it because I've given Adesanya his flowers and I like Adesanya and I lost a lot of respect for him last night. It kind of hurt because I'm a big proponent to Israel and it's like I was trying to make sense of it and it came off almost like he was intimidated. Right. Like he, he like the way he was acting was like that scared kid. Just rambling, talking his ass off, you know, trying well, to. It's like he had to puff out his chest, yeah, because, because of the because uh, he was scared in a way. Which yeah, I don't know. I mean, it didn't make any sense. So that was that was an, that was one of the big storylines from last night, and then um, obviously Volkanovski he he continues his reign. I mean, dude's just an absolute animal. Uh, I watched the highlights, dog. He's one of the most one of the best fighters. In the world, pound for pound, probably the best little dude too. He's tiny. He's like five five, one hundred and twenty five yeah. pounds, or I can't remember how much he weighed. Forty five and a half, one hundred forty five and a half. But dude's built like an absolute tank. And once he gets his hands on you, it's a wrap. Like he's yeah. gonna take you down. He's gonna beat you up. Period. And so you know, it was cool to see uh, Volk win another one. He retains his title. Um, what was the other fight? Oh, the Brennan Moreno and Alexandre Pan- Pandoja, which I've never heard of the Pandoja guy, but apparently I've heard of Moreno before. I've seen him fight. He's a good, great fighter, champion, you know, elite level fighter. But this Alexandre Pandoja guy, he um, has been fighting his way up the ranks. And actually, Moreno has fought Pandoja twice, and he's been beat twice. Uh, they fought in the Ultimate Fighter, like the the TV show. They they ended up squaring off there. Pandoja beat him, and yeah. then they they fought again in the actual UFC, and Pandoja ended up beating him again. Then, and so this was one of the all time great fights I've ever seen. I mean, from start to finish, it was an absolute war. Neither guy ever gave up. They all they. They left it all out there in the octagon. Um, and in the end, Pandoja ended up winning the split decision to win the belt from Moreno, which was controversial in my eyes because Moreno dealt more damage. And in a fight that close, I feel like damage dealt should be the number one determining factor, especially if he's the champ already. In yeah. my eyes, if the if the challenger comes into the octagon, he has to absolutely decimate the champ in order to win a decision. Like it can't be, you know, three two round split. It can't be, you know, a small decision. It has to be like you blew him out of the water. Yeah, you have to you know? beat him. Yeah. yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to best him in every facet. Yeah. And to me, it just Pandoja, he he had more takedowns. He had more ground control. But Moreno reversed out of those takedowns almost every time, several times. And so, to me, it was Moreno won that fight. But that's why I believe that we should have more transparency when it comes to scorecard criteria. Just like in the NBA, I feel like the, the and in the MLB and the NFL – I think the ump- the umpires or officials should have to come and talk to the media afterwards and explain, you know, certain things and why it was called that way. Because I would love to know what the reasoning was behind the way they scored that fight. I think yeah. Pendoja definitely deserved to win. I mean, he, like I said, it was an absolute war. You go back and watch the highlights. I mean, it was blow for blow. Yeah. I just think I just think Moreno was the champ coming in, and so. You know, Pandoja really had to put it on him, and it was too even for for Pandoja to win. But the UFC loves their trilogy fights, so I'm sure we'll see a rematch for the champ, yeah, the championship belt. I agree. I'm mad that I didn't watch the fights last night. They were better than I expected, man, honestly. Because I've bought bought fights in the past before, and they've been a snooze fest, but 
These fights right here were, were I watched four last night and they all four of them were great. This fights. happens every single time and it pisses me off because I I watch the fights and they'll be the most boring shit and then the one that I happen to miss is like the most electric shit. It's like God that's the that's damn the, it. That's the fight game for you. Man. Yeah. You never know. <sighs> Such bullshit. I'm definitely going to go through and watch the highlights. Yeah, definitely check those out. I'm definitely going to buy the next John Jones fight, though, for sure. That's They can just take my money now. Whenever the date comes, just hold my money till then. Right. That's definitely 100%. I agree with you, though. There's got to be some kind of... I would like to see the actual scorecard. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I would like to see the UFC official Twitter account post that shit or, or whatever, you know, and let's see exactly what, who scored what and the reasoning behind it. If nothing else. Yeah. Maybe they should just make the scoring transparent. I feel like this goes across the board in all sports. I feel like referees, officials, scorekeepers table, whatever it may be, there should be an interview process for them after right. each game with the media Absolutely. so that it holds everybody true and there wasn't some kind of other BS. All I'm play. saying is if the players are going to have to face the music, then the, the officials should have to as well. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been a long time coming. We need – that I feel like we not only do we need that, we deserve that as fans who who spend eighty bucks on a weekend to to watch this stuff, you know, or who spends a hundred and fifty bucks on a ticket, yeah, or whatever, you know. I mean, it is what it is, but I'm sure we'll see we'll see some some changes in the near future. Yeah, but I think so too. With that, uh, that's pretty much all I had to talk about today. <laughs> We just fucking flew through an hour. There's a lot of shit to take. Uh, yeah, on an hour. Yeah. There's a lot of shit to take in, ladies and gentlemen. As always, if you make it to this point and you heard every word and slip up and stupidity that spewed out of our mouth, we appreciate, love, and adore you. Wow. What an episode. This is like 32 now. We've been doing this for a minute. So if you're a loyal listener, shoot it. Shoot me a message. I want to show you some love. I'm thinking that I want to give shout outs to some names here and there across the board. If you're a loyal listener, and this is a true test to see who makes it, but if you give us a shout out, we'll give you a shout out, let you get some insight, and then maybe we'll start making a list of the people that are loyal, start giving them an insight to releases and times of release so you can catch up and you know be the first to know about anything say we start or, doing a giveaway you're the first to know or hey you could even get on the show i mean yeah we're open actually to that we're, as well. we, we've been wanting to do guests so also if you're somebody that feels like hey i would fit right in with this conversation that these two idiots have i'm an idiot myself reach out to us we're looking for a good guest that can ramble with us and have some insight on something that we have no idea about so it would be a great honor to have you listening on here with us. Yep. Give us a little bit uh, extra perspective. Also, man, if you could really help us out and hit that like button, the follow yes. button, leave us a review on yes. Spotify or whatever platform you find this on, because that is the true, that's the game right there. That's the podcast game is leaving reviews, pushing the algorithm getting us in the search field yep. whenever whenever you know people go in the little search bubble and they type sports or general conversation we need to the only way that we're going to be able to grow our show is if our name pops up whenever somebody goes and searches that so please give us a like give us a review give us a rating we love you we appreciate you keep on listening peace peace it's about time that I left Austin About time you settled down With a man who doesn't move as quick The train rolling through town About time that I fake The hard times I've let go Love was just an ocean I'll drown before I fall
on the outskirts of this town When I gave you all I had But it still let you down Everyone I've ever loved Has either left or died Wish I was born with concrete shoes But I'm leaving tonight It's about time that I left Austin About time you settled down With a man who doesn't move as quick As a train's rolling through the town I 